Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here. My name is Shubha Rao. I'm a product manager in Amazon. And I'm here to speak today about our newly launched service, AWS AppMesh. Uh, so what is AppMesh? AppMesh, in short, is a service mesh to help you get more visibility and control into the communication between your microservices. And uh, today I'm going to speak a lot more about why microservices, why service mesh proxy, why service mesh control plane, and why we built AppMesh. And then I'll get into a little bit of how. How do you represent your app? What features do we have now? And what's coming next? So to start with, if we have to think about a real-world analogy here, and you know, think about really popular chefs and their boutique restaurants, there's a lot of process that goes into coming up with a new recipe, as well as to make sure that every single plate of food that goes out to the customer is perfect to the same extent that they would come back for more, and they would really give it the greatest reviews. But that process uh, is very similar to how you would have built a monolith application. It's, uh, it's easy and simple. There's one person who really knows it all, who has spent a lot of time in tuning and refining it, but it doesn't really scale very well if you want to roll it out to become a countrywide or worldwide franchisee. So if you want to really go big and have multiple people be able to replicate the same dish, replicate it in a way that feels the closest to the original, then you have to come up with cookbooks and recipes and guidelines to really look for specific things and also teach people to be able to do it very easily without having to put in a lot of innovation or uh, new thought into how it really is done. So um, the analogy is uh, like monoliths and microservices. Like I said, monolith, there is a slow, gradual improvement in the monolith. You, you tune it over time, you make it good, you make it better. It's simple and nice, but it's not often scalable, like how uh, you would ha have to think about uh, rolling out bigger franchisee chains. You would have to think about how do you replicate the same processes that you have learned in building your applications today and make it repeatable so that everybody on your team and every service follows it consistently and thereby function making it a well-functioning system that works together and serves, the the serves your customers in the best manner that it could potentially do. So um, this, I'm pretty sure this is uh, something that you all have thought about, you've heard about before. You're breaking down your monoliths, which are potentially managed by one single team today to be handled, uh, to be built as multiple services. And these have different developers, different teams, different operational guidelines, uh, different requirements. And so there, there are a lot of people in the, uh, people in the process. There are a lot of uh, uh, things that have to go right to really have it all come together very well. And over time, the services evolve. The services become um, tuned to doing one specific thing like it is supposed to. And uh, they get divergent in the sense that they could be using different programming languages. They could be um, optimized to run on different managed services. They could be interacting with uh, different sets of dependencies. Um, and, and still, there are uh, multiple teams who really have to bring it all together uh, and make it work well. So over time, you may have to invest, or some, some companies do invest into having a separate infrastructure team, which actually does this type of coordination and uh, offload some, some of the tasks that could be uh, common across all these services. So what you see here is a microservice, which has several teams, several uh, programming languages, which are all interacting with each other. 
So when you think about how this evolve, you, you would have very different pace, potentially, of when you start with VMs, do you containerize it, do you make it Lambda functions, do you make it managed services? And all these add to the complexity uh, in the sense that there are different, you cannot really follow a single recipe anymore, and you cannot make it one consistent guideline that everybody can follow uh, uh, in the same manner anymore. And that brings multiple needs uh, for making sure that every team does know and follow the best practices and the guidelines that are recommended. And this include everything from getting visibility into every part of your application stack, getting a consistent operational uh, gui uh, guideline around how you deploy, upgrade, monitor, and even identify your fix errors. It could be multiple teams who are doing their own DevOps. It could be centralized ops. Each company wants to be a, uh, in a different organizational structure, and you still want to bring in all the CI, CD mechanisms. You want to automate it as much as possible and ensure that there is highest security and compliance that is met by all of these individual teams. So uh, in, in short, what do you need to make the microservices work well uh, and work together is a consistent mechanism where you can observe, orient, and um, decide and act what exactly and how exactly do you handle them together. So that includes uh, communication uh, management, and that's visibility and control across all these services. It includes uh, handling failure situations, isolation of failures, and uh, also controls to give you automatic deployment capabilities to fix, issue, to fix the issues if something was wrong. Uh, so we saw about all the different things that microservices need. How do they all come together, and what are the options, and what do you do today? The most common approach that has been used until today is uh, libraries and SDKs. But there is a lot of heavy lifting involved in making sure that each team uh, has that and follows that. So um, at a very high level summary, SDKs involve a lot of maintenance. It, there is installation. You have to take care of migrations to keep track of the latest versions, deprecation workflows, upgrades, coordination between different teams that are required to can maintain consistent versions. If not, there is actually a lot of uh, you know, issues that could arise just because of these inconsistencies, which affect the velocity with which you can roll out new applications. That affect the velocity of the overall pace at which each team can run and deploy uh, code to actually bring in new features and capabilities. And over time, this gets really hard, which is the reason why service mesh proxies have become the new architecture pattern. So this is not any net new capability. It is bringing out the same features that is needed to uh, needed uh, for each service and across each services, and bringing that out as a sidecar proxy that runs along with your application instead of being a part of your application itself. So uh, overall, the proxy does provide application the capabilities such as logging, metrics, tracing, it uh, runs along with the application, often in a containerized environment as a part of the same task or part as a sidecar. And uh, the biggest benefit it brings is that it minimizes the application code required in each service. It uh, simplifies it to be a template that you don't have to teach every new team to learn and use in a similar manner. And uh, it actually brings in 
uh, the decoupling that is needed with your, with your business logic and your operational logic or the management logic so that you can configure and handle them separately, simplifying to a large extent what your application code looks like. And uh, this minimization of inconsistencies helps a lot in, in uh, ensuring that each team can move faster and still do the same right things that you have learned as the, right, uh, as the good practices that every team should be following. So what we've uh, spoken about until now uh, is why do you need a service mesh proxy? At a very high level, it helps you migrate monoliths to microservices faster, better, and in a more efficient manner. And, uh, the, and it provides you the operational controls that are required to separate out the application logic and the business logic with all the management and the infrastructure needs. Uh, so, and, and the benefit is that it can work the same way across teams, across languages, and across different uh, workflows that each team has evolved to use. Uh, so I said we are going to speak more about AppMesh uh, today. AppMesh uses Envoy Proxy. Envoy has evolved to be a very widely uh, popular community project. It has been stable and proven in uh, the community for a while. Uh, and just yesterday, it has been promoted to a graduated project status in uh, the CNCF. Uh, so AppMesh relies on using uh, Envoy Proxy to provide all the mesh proxy capabilities that we just spoke about. So you can. So we already have an open source proxy. What is the hard part in using it with each service, and why do we need anything else at all? Uh, is what I want to talk about next. And uh, so the 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 biggest way uh, to handle the proxies today is to actually write your own logic to make sure that every proxy uh, has a uh, has a consistent view and can reliably uh, get the latest configuration that it needs to handle the microservice communication. So we don't, without having to hard code any, hard code any part in each proxy itself, the way you can uh, provide it the configuration in a reliable, consistent manner uh, requires a lot of work, especially when you have hundreds and thousands of proxies, that is hundreds and thousands of containerized microservices that are running and also potentially changing at the same time. So um, there, is, there is a lot of uh, heavy lifting that's currently involved to make sure that uh, the, all the intent that comes in from each development team or operations team is translated into what a, a service mesh proxy can understand and apply. And, uh, and this intent has to be merged with the intent that is required to actually align with your latest changes in the environment. You may be doing new deployments, you may be upgrading your services, you may be scaling your existing services, or there could be something that's happening in either the network health or the microservice health. So you don't just need a system that understands the static APIs or the intent of the teams. You also need it to adapt to the dynamic changes that are happening in your environment. And that means that the proxy has to uh, know, keep track of all these changes, and apply it in a reliable manner. So it has to compute, store, and distribute it in a reliable manner to each and every microservice that wants to participate in the uh, mesh and in the communication management. So uh, what do we need here? The, uh, at a very high level, the control plane helps you sim uh, just get this logic or get a mechanism to uh, reliably store and distribute the proxy configuration at scale. 
and uh, you need it to not really be tied to the application or to the language. Uh, you want it to ideally work across several compute services that you use today, and, uh, and also be tied to your uh, existing systems, be it deployment mechanisms or visibility and monitoring tools. And uh, the easier we can make it for you to, uh, be, uh, to use it is, uh, is, is what uh, is better. So we, uh, we are looking for a way to make it uh, simpler for you to not spend all the development time effort and management it takes to build the mesh control plane. So when we spoke to customers about what, what exactly uh, would they need uh, to really have this whole microservice migration go faster and better, we heard a couple of additional requirements, especially uh, among our uh, customers who are running services across clusters, across compute services. Uh, we wanted to build a system um, that meets the customer's needs in terms of scale, reliability, and also providing the same SLS that you expect from an Amazon service. Uh, with the partner integrations and uh, uh, with the Amazon tool integrations that you require to do it in a similar manner, manner as much as possible. Uh, we, do, we did hear a lot of requests also about multiple container services, and we wanted to build something that meets all your needs uh, in terms of not just relying on the open source and the community innovations, but also uh, giving you uh, the Amazon style of using it without having to put in a lot of effort yourself. And uh, these are the motivations that led us to build our own app mesh, which uh, essentially integrates with uh, the existing deployment mechanisms, uh, which we want to integrate with the existing deployment mechanisms we have, uh, integrate with the container deploy orchestration services we have, and uh, also give you integrations with the open source tools and the partner tools and the community, and be as community friendly as possible. So what does the AppMesh do? AppMesh uh, essentially configures each proxy that is running along with your microservices. And uh, it, uh, once it distributes the configuration, the actual traffic path between services happens just between the proxies that are involved with the services. There is no uh, you know, AppMesh in the mix in the sense that your application containers speak to the proxy on the egress side, and then they speak to the proxy on the destination service, and that speaks to the application containers. So um, as AppMesh is available as preview starting today, starting yesterday. Uh, you have the ability to plug in all the observability tools of your choice to bring in all the traffic control capabilities that you would want to provide to your applications. We are working on a couple of features. We have the traffic routing controls available for you to start uh, using right now. We are working on the traffic shaping features the client side uh, retries, circuit breaks, et cetera. Um, and we are working on a lot of the integrations that uh, uh, will make it easier for you to deploy, run, and manage applications on AWS. So it's starting, it's available in four regions starting yesterday. Uh, we've, uh, we have a demo coming up later about uh, integrations with X-Ray and uh, Prometheus. We, are, we have a CloudWatch integration. We are working with Datadog to have that available as well. And between this preview launch and GA, we'll actually work on a lot more uh, uh, smoothening the process and uh, heavy lifting uh, to make it all uh, seamless and smooth. 
So what capabilities can you use and what capabilities does it really help you with uh, uh, right now? Uh, in terms of observability, yeah, along with getting all the logs, metrics, and stats into your existing, into your preferred tools, you can also understand, you can identify issues that may arise when before things go completely wrong. So it gives you better control and visibility over error codes. It helps you isolate whether errors are in the service itself or whether it's in the network between the services and helps you catch it when the system goes into a degraded state rather than after it goes into a failure mode. And uh, it gives you the additional controls to not just handle it once, but also bring in newer deployment, newer versions of your services and granular controls that are required to roll out new deployments in the sense that you could, uh, uh, you could, uh, you could do path-based routing, you could start doing canary uh, rollouts and deployments in the sense that you can start testing out traffic and rolling it out to newer versions as uh, in a gra gradual phased manner rather than all at once. So although you can do uh, that level of control with the number of parts and the number of tasks that you deploy today, uh, a mesh, uh, app mesh helps you do that in a much more granular manner based on uh, the HTTP headers or cookies or uh, you know, a lot more finer controls into what specific traffic do you want to route into your newer deployments before you actually are ready for it to go, go live and go prime time. What do we have? Uh, in preview, we have the APIs available. We have some examples available for you on GitHub. And uh, we do have a couple of integrations, especially based on StatsD. We have HTTP passbase routing ready. We are working on a couple of uh, console integration. We don't yet have a console. We are going to provide a good API, a good console experience for configuring and managing the mesh. And we are working on integrations with container services. Uh, and um, we also will be bringing in multiple uh, capabilities post-GA. Uh, going a little more into the integrations, today you can use AppMesh with uh, DNS-based uh, service discovery. We are working with AWS Cloud Map, which is another new service that we launched yesterday, which can give you service discovery across Amazon services. Uh, this will uh, help bridge uh, services that you have deployed across different container services and essentially extend your mesh to be uh, available not just with ECS or EKS, but also across EC2 in the future. So uh, how does this all work? Uh, I want to now switch gears to focus a little more about how do you represent your application in the app mesh and how do you really bring, a, a bring, uh, bring in the different routing controls represented in the API so that you can do all the cool capabilities I just spoke about. Uh, starting with, uh, let's say you have a simple application where you have one service A interacting with a service B. So uh, the, the first step is to actually create a mesh in the sense that it's more of a logical boundary that uh, holds the representation of each of your version service. So there is virtual nodes that represent specific version services and each, uh, each deployment or each service version is represented as a virtual node in uh, the AppMesh APIs. So um, the, the uh, virtual nodes themselves have multiple fields. Listeners is, are the ports that you expose from each service. 
these are the ports that you are uh, having your services listen on. Uh, it could, then there is service discovery. This helps you uh, provide input on how you want a specific service to be discovered. Essentially, it, uh, how do you represent, uh, how do you identify the set of endpoints that you want communicating with the other services that connect with this service. Uh, today, it's the DNS name. And when we have AWS Cloud Map integrations, you can have a name along with metadata, where metadata represents specific subsets of your services. The third field is backends. Backends represent the dependencies or the other uh, services that this particular service relies on. So if your service A is speaking to B, backends would be B, whereas uh, listener and service discovery is what A is exposing to the clients of A. And all this together represent the service A, uh, which you would need to have one for each of your version service. So once you have uh, services A and B represented as virtual nodes, you would uh, uh, how do you connect them together? For that, you need a virtual router. Um, a virtual router is uh, essentially a construct that helps you expose the backend service to all its clients. So the thing about uh, the, the blue boxes here that you see, virtual routers, essentially map to a set of service names where you're saying uh, for, for each B, service B that you want to expose to a set of clients, the, uh, the DNS names that you use or the service endpoints that you use for the service B is what you represent uh, in a router. And, and then you get to have a lot of routes which, uh, which represent exactly how this traffic has to be handled by each of the client that is connecting with the service. So uh, for each service, you, uh, service virtual router, you can have multiple routes. Uh, one of the sample routes that you see here just has a very basic prefix match, which says all traffic goes to node B. So this is actually creating the link between A and B uh, in the sense telling uh, AppMesh to, con uh, to create configuration for service B that will be distributed to the proxies that are deployed with service A. So note that there is uh, uh, that computation of which clients need to be programmed with the config that is mapped to a particular server service is done by the proxies, and is done by AppMesh. You can have one or more routes, and once you have, if you want to represent uh, a set of uh, new service versions, then you actually create a new virtual node B and then you can update the same router with having routes that represent the new version as well. So you have, uh, here you see an example of how do you update the existing virtual router config uh, from not just sending all traffic to the version B, but also send some part of it to version B prime. Uh, again, we support weighted routes, so that will help you gradually roll out traffic to the version B prime. So how does this all come together? If A is speaking with B and B prime, you have these virtual nodes, you have virtual routers, and then there is the mapping between the backends that you specify and A, which speaks about all the dependencies that the service A has to the service names that you have in the virtual router uh, to identify which, what specific config you need in which service. So uh, note that this could also include not just routing, but also traffic shaping policies. So the way it works is that once you have the routing decision made at the client-side proxies, the 
uh, traffic policies that apply to that communication is applied after the routing decision so that if uh, B has a different number of retries that it expects its clients to make compared to B prime, then only the traffic going to B will have uh, that specific config and the traffic that is going to B prime will be updated with the right uh, traffic policies you specify for B prime. So overall, what is this helping you do? It's helping you have a delineation between the client services and the server services without actually having the intricacies of the versions and the rollouts exposed to each other. So, uh, it, so if I'm the owner of service B, I could be deploying five versions per day, but all the clients that are uh, connecting to me are still using the same DNS names and they're still using the same endpoints to connect to, and I get to control what specific traffic policies need to be applied to all that communication. So essentially, you're, some, you're templatizing the service owner's intent in terms of how other, P, other clients need to communicate to the service owner's service, and then making it reliably distributed, and, and App Mesh is reliably distributing it to each proxy that is deployed with the client services. So that um, my intent of how my services exposed to all the clients are represented at the proxies that every client has, and, uh, and this helps in keeping the clean uh, delineation and the separation in terms of who, the ownership boundaries, as well as giving you consistent controls for multiple services that are participating in the same system. So uh, with, because all these services are having the same Envoy proxy or similar versions of proxy, you get the same observability metrics, get the same traces, and uh, you still have granular controls to shape the traffic in a manner that is appropriate for that service. What happens if the service B has multiple dependencies? You map them as backends of the service B. So what you see here is in that service B, uh, as a part of the virtual node, you will be mapping that to the virtual nodes that represent uh, C and D. To the uh, virtual nodes that represent C and D. And uh, how do you export all the observability data into uh, the endpoints and the tools of your choice? You, um, there is a way to plug in the Envoy Bootstrap, again, through the API, which helps you connect, uh, pull all the metrics and uh, logs and stats that are collected at the Envoy and publish it to the right endpoints. So with this, we'll switch over to our demo. Tony? Until I touch the keyboard, right? All right, um, all right, thank you. So um, yeah, that was, that was exciting. Uh, what I'm gonna show briefly, and even less time now than before, is that there, I'm gonna give a little demo to show working with the mesh and, and show what that looks like. Um, there is a project that we will, we will be open sourcing here uh, shortly. Um, look for this next few days, next week. It's based on the canonical Docker voting app. Uh, we made a few modifications to it um, so that we could show off service mesh, app mesh. And um, all we're gonna show off uh, right now today is I'm gonna take the client, we're gonna cast some votes, uh, and then we're gonna get some results back. We'll see results coming back through two different versions of our reports API. So in terms of the mechanics of making all of this work, first of all, we've got a 
typical CloudFormation stack. It's got all of our services in it right now. And the, uh, the, really, the only thing I want to call out in here is pretty standard stuff. Um, but when you take a look at our tasks for each given task, so um, seems like my audio is a little weird. For each one of the nodes in our mesh, so each of these services is going to be running, um, they're all going to be instrumented. And each task definition, in addition to the service itself, you'll see here we're including Envoy. So Envoy is going to run as a sidecar with your task, or if it's, if it's this for Kubernetes, with your pod. After we deploy that, you've got a running application. You should have logs and all that kind of stuff. And then the next part of this is actually configuring uh, AWS App Mesh to work with this application. So again, this application is a uh, microservice application. It's got a number of services. This is a pretty simple topology here. We deployed it with CloudFormation, and then we had to configure it um, to participate in the mesh. And what that looks like, for example, for each one of the nodes, again, going back to this uh, picture right here, so for vote, and for the votes API, the reports API, and the back end, we've got these definitions. We define the virtual nodes. I'll just pick a web for right now, the, the front end. We define those listeners that she was talking about, and we've defined that uh, we're going to communicate from that node to two different back ends, so to the, the votes and reports API. And for each one of those, they're going to, let's see, votes will talk to a back end. It'll talk to the database. And same with reports. It's very simple. Uh, the configurations here are, are minimal and simplistic. And the only thing that we're going to do that's going to be really interesting for this demo is we are going to do a little bit of um, simulated you know, A-B testing here where we're going to sh uh, um, shift traffic 50% between our uh, report service V1 and report service V2. Nothing super exciting and dramatic uh, as far as the changes between those two services, and I'll show that in a minute, but that's it. So each one of these routes are going to be associated with a virtual router, and those definitions all live, uh, live in here. Very simple as far as defining that. My point here is that the configuration is simple. Um, to participate in the mesh, there's not that much you have to define here, other than to make it very clear what these relationships are going to be between the, uh, the nodes. I do want to draw attention to the fact that when we are defining here service names, they're the logical service names that you're services we'll use to communicate with each other back end. Now, I've already deployed the app, and I've already actually applied the, this, these configurations. So um, I'm good to go. I can vote. I don't know. What is it, cats or dogs? Uh, I'm going to go with cats. And I, I guarantee that cats are going to be winning. So results. Cheated. I've already uh, got a number of votes here. All right. So um, what we can see here is that V2 re replied. I'm going to run this a few times. And approximately 50% of the times, the original V1 response comes back. All right. So that's working. All right. So the next thing that I want to point out here is that we have full visibility 
into what's going on inside of our mesh? Oh, is this not? Great. Let me unplug and replug. Sorry. Wow. Well, okay. Counts one. But um, the point was, there was a distribution here. Um, about 50% of these responses are. Let me do this again. Yes. Uh, show the V1 simple response and the V2 more complicated response. And, uh, and moving on quickly now, um, what I want to point out is I'm in the X-ray console. And we've got visibility into our application topology. and the routes that were traversed. So what's happening is that for every, every segment here in our, in our mesh, all the communication routes ingresses, go through the app, and go back uh, each one of the app nodes and egress through an Envoy proxy. And, uh, and for any of these, we can take a look and we can investigate what's going on if we have any broken links in our, in our mesh. You know, if some, one of our services isn't working and responding, we can take a look at latencies and, and all that good stuff. Um, one cool thing to show is that uh, Envoy itself imp imposes minimal, minimal overhead as far as uh, um, what's going on with the communication between these routes. The other thing I want to mention is that we even have an integration with uh, Prometheus and Grafana, another very popular open source uh, package for, for metrics. And we can take a look at what's going inside of the mesh here, take a look at the uh, number of uh, successful connections, calls, requests, responses, that kind of stuff. And I guess what I want to also mention is that we've got integrations as well with CloudWatch, and uh, you can expect all your other types of integrations to work because this is, this, is part of the, this is part of the platform. So some of the stuff that involves open source integration, that stuff's been done. These examples will get published. Uh, there'll be a deep dive into the work that goes as far as um, what you can do, how do you, how do you change your configurations, how you, uh, and how you integrate that into the rest of your, um, your dashboards. So to, to recap, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Simple configurations that need to get applied to make these participate in the mesh. And then you get all the benefits of being in the mesh, all the benefits that Shuba had outlined earlier. So uh, that's it for the demo. Thank you. I'll get you back to your... Yep. So um, we have a lot of content out there already. Uh, we, you can see some examples in our GitHub repository. Uh, this is preview. We have just started. Do let us know what you think, and do let us know about uh, the additional use cases you would like us to think about, as well as if you see any issues or if you want to have a discussion with the team. Um, and with that, uh, I just want to say thank you for being here. We have the team here as well, so we can take some questions. Thanks. There's a mic on the side.
mic would be better so that others can hear. I had a question. Uh, could you go over again how, um, if you're not inside the message network, how you connect to something inside of it? Uh, give me a minute. Uh, Kiran, James, Tony, uh, to just answer questions if needed. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Um, for, for a migration, as we're migrating onto AppMesh, uh, how do you connect to stuff that has not yet been integrated into it yet? Like, say we have stuff on-prem in data center. Is it possible to then, how would I then communicate with something inside of this mesh? So uh, when we integrate with AWS Cloud Map, that will give you a way to represent your services uh, across multiple AWS services. So uh, essentially, you'll get a service and name and an endpoint that can map to any AWS service. That's how much uh, we have uh, planned for GA. If we have other on-prem use cases, we would like to discuss that uh, and plan for it after that. Thank you. Uh, I very quick, uh, uh, Istio, uh, because seems is a lot overlapping with this, so I was curious to know if uh, this is your take on Istio or uh, you plan to diverge and do something completely different. So when we looked at what our customers required, the, the, the most common theme was to actually have it based on Envoy uh, open source proxy. So that's what both Istio and AppMesh uh, are using as the data plane component, which is where most of these capabilities come from and where most of this magic happens. So we'll be contributing back to Envoy proxy pretty significantly uh, in the coming weeks and months, and Istio will benefit from that as well. You can already run and use Istio with EKS and with any Kubernetes on AWS. So these are just different approaches to uh, reaching the same end goals. Uh, and this is the Amazon built and run managed service model, which would work for many of the customer use cases we've heard until now. So. These are choices, and uh, okay. feel free to use what works best for you. Thank you. Hi. Uh, two quick questions. First one being, what layer, what OSI layer does the proxy operate on? And the second one being, can we see egress to things like AWS Aurora, which is layer four? Uh, the proxy is layer seven proxy, so it understands the layer seven protocols. Uh, starting with HTTP, you can directly route on the HTTP headers and cookies. We're planning to add all the gRPC and other routing protocol support. And uh, to add to that, so Envoy actually is a layer three for proxy. Okay. And the way it operates is having additional filters, and HTTP is one of those filters. So whenever a new connection comes, there are filters which start to process the bytes. So you can use it for anything which is TCP, UDP is not supported yet. Okay, fantastic, thank you. Uh, which protocol will be enabled by default? So I saw the demo only uses HTTP, and, uh, but Istio supports like a lot of them. HTTP2, WebSockets. Uh, today it supports only HTTP uh, 1 and 2. Uh, we will be soon adding gRPC and other WebSockets, all the capabilities which Envoy provides. Uh, we're just getting it out. And uh, so our goal right now is to make sure that the distribution of configuration and the latencies at scale are appropriate, but adding features as we just go and keep on adding them. So, 
Right, and um, also Envoy supports like uh, injecting your custom HTTP headers uh, and base uh, routing on, on these headers will be also available eventually. So custom headers, when you inject, so you're mostly uh, adding some filters, is that? Uh, so yeah. custom filters yeah. are yeah. not yet supported. Okay. We will soon enable configuration which will uh, allow for configuring existing Envoy filters. If you bring your own custom filters, we have an open issue mm -hmm. uh, in the examples. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll open a proposal and we'll, we should discuss on that. Okay. Thank you. Hi. Um, will I be able to use this for service to service authorization at all? Sorry, can you repeat it again? Uh, can I use the service, uh, sorry, the app mesh for um, service to service authorization? Uh, yes, so AppMesh by itself doesn't provide service discovery, so it relies on, say, for example, DNS or Cloud Map for service discovery. So if you bring, say, for example, Zookeeper or something else built on some HCD as a service discovery, so the two options are uh, you have to build um, the EDS, which is the Envoy Service Discovery Protocol shim. So a shim on top of that. We will be writing a shim for Cloud Map, which is a, a HTTP API. So we will be writing a gRPC endpoint for that. Uh, so, but we'll provide a way to plug in your own custom uh, EDS endpoint if that is if that is what required. Thank you. Hi. Uh, how do you see this product uh, integrating with a pipeline, a continuous integration, continuous deployment pipeline? Yes, so I, I'll. So, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. So, uh, the way we model it is, as you might have noticed, um, so virtual nodes is the core concept. The node is an endpoint provided by a set of, uh, so is a name provided to a set of endpoints. So, you can model in the pipeline when you deploy a new version, you essentially are going to create a new virtual node in the mesh as part of the pipeline hook. And then it's up to you to configure the route appropriate for that node. So you can say, for example, a blue-green deployment, you can say, move a certain percentage or maybe 100% to the new version, test it for a while, and if it doesn't work, point the route back to the old one. So each of these versions which you are deploying through your pipeline will be represented as a node. They may have thousands of tasks behind them, but they are collectively are pointed by a node. And all the envoys which are packaged, so you need to package envoy along with your application, and that envoy is injected with this node name, and when it connects, it is going to get the configuration corresponding to that. So, uh, so the way, yeah, in the pipeline, you whenever you deploy a new version, it corresponds to a virtual node in the mesh. Okay, thank you. Hi, um, do you have any plans to implement like a, uh, a front proxy pattern? So, yes. Yeah, so, if you're talking about ingress style, yeah. uh, so right now we are heavily relying on ALB and API gateway to provide it. Uh, so uh, we have heard some customers ask for because of the some protocols not yet supported in G ALB and Envoy also provides more metrics and stuff. Uh, so there is nothing stopping you from actually modeling the node as if like an ingress. Yep. So at the end it is just a node which receives some routes. Yep. The only difference being that ingress has some additional capabilities rather than just a sidecar. Yep. So the scale may be different. For example, the number of routes you may want to define on the ingress may be much higher than a sidecar. So we haven't gone through that. So for a normal ingress, it should still work. But if you want to replace like the entire fleet with thousands of services like Amazon would do, uh, that would require a special design and yeah. testing. So right. we are not much. testing for that use case. Thanks. 
I'm just curious about the roadmap for a planned use for like EC2, uh, Firecracker, or Lambda. So yes. So again, uh, wherever you can run Envoy, it should be able to connect and get it. Right now, the challenge is how do you get Envoy along with the application? With TAS and pods like ECS and EKS, you have orchestrator so that you can package sidecar. But EC2, if you bake it into the army or if you have a chef Ansible or somehow you get Envoy in there, uh, AppMesh doesn't care where the Envoy is coming from, as long as it has an IM role to connect to the uh, AppMesh and the right permissions. Okay, and then we probably assume set up the right DNS records or the, for the APIs that it's calling to the app mesh. Yes, okay. exactly. And in future, we will look at uh, much more tight-end integration with EC2, say, for example, auto-scaling, so that we can maybe uh, automatically add or provide a template so that Envoy comes in and there. And Firecracker by itself directly you can't consume. You will be consuming through Fargate or Lambda. So Lambda is uh, something interesting to look at, how it fits in there, but Fargate will have a support. How it could uh, complement uh, compared to the cloud map? Yes. So cloud map is a way to uh, define, uh, so you point a resource name, and that resource name may resolve to multiple resources which are defined on AWS. So one way to see that is uh, you can have a resource name which is a service name, and which may resolve to endpoints, which is IP addresses, which are also sort of resources in AWS. So one way to think is cloud map is a service discovery, but you can also think that it's much more than service discovery. So what AppMesh does is it uses Cloud Map like a service discovery. And so what it does, it takes the registry information which is defined in the Cloud Map, it takes that, converts it into Envoy and Envoy configuration which Envoy understands and relays it down. It basically sits on top of uh, Yes, so it uses Cloud Map's data as a source of truth for the endpoints and relays it to Envoy. So, I mean, again, one more question is how compared to the K8A's orchestration and uh, also the Eureka service, right? Yep. Is it, uh, um, is it easy to migrate if you want to move on or? Yeah, so uh, we, will, we will have samples soon which works with EKS. It's not just EKS, it's any Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. EKS may have easy to install uh, controllers to deal with uh, app mesh integrations, but you can use them to integrate with any Kubernetes. So yes, so it will play well with the orchestration. Kubernetes does well with deploying your applications. AppMesh and any service mesh solution works well with connecting those applications. So they play complementary to each other rather than like one replacing any other. Thank you so much. Um, have you looked into GraphQL schema stitching at all with remote delegation? Not yet, that's an interesting uh, idea. Uh, right now we are heads down and getting the basic stuff, sure. uh, but certainly we would love to get that feedback on the examples, but that's, that's a great addition to Envoy itself and as a filter. Great, thank you. Yeah. Awesome, thank you very much. Thank you guys.